Well, Merry Christmas. Hey, good to be here with you uh, tonight. Um, if you're a guest, uh, I also just want to give you a, a warm welcome. Say Merry Christmas to you. I want to echo what Pastor Josh said earlier. Just sit back and just relax. I know some of you, maybe you were even dragged here, you know, against your, your will. We saw your heel marks out in the parking lot. Um, just, just seriously, we're, we're just glad that, that you're here. So sit back, just enjoy the rest of the service, and, and Merry Christmas to all of you. I want to start off by asking you a question. How many of us, I mean, don't raise any hands, but how many of you have come to realize that life isn't perfect? How many of you have come to realize that Christmas isn't always perfect? Uh, perfect. You know, maybe even it's at Christmas dinner and someone gets angry, doesn't show up, or they get sick. Maybe a relative drinks just a little too much eggnog, and you're not exactly sure what's in that eggnog. <laughs> maybe someone hogs the remote. Maybe someone starts an argument. Maybe for others of you, you're waiting on something. Some of you are waiting for an acceptance letter or a healthy diagnosis or a positive pregnancy test, and it just hasn't come yet. And then for others of you, you've lost somebody that you love, and there's gonna be an empty seat around the dinner table. Christmas is, is, is a great time of, of wonder and joy and celebration, but it can also be a reminder that life isn't perfect. Just this last Christmas, Danielle and I were getting ready for the Christmas season. Uh, now, what you need to know about Danielle, my wife and I, we're pre-Thanksgiving Christmas people, okay? Um, I know that makes some of you uh, groan, all right? While others of you, you're, you're with me on that. My kids are not, are not big fans of that, but we don't really care what they think. So, so, so we decided we were going to get the Christmas tree out before uh, Thanksgiving. This is about two weeks before Thanksgiving. And so we kind of formed an assembly line, forced our kids to help us with this. And we start carrying the tree upstairs. We put it together. First thing that went wrong was uh, I just bought these new lights. It was like on the spool. I don't even know how many hundreds of feet this light was, but plugged it in. Half of them didn't work. Uh, so I ended up just, I cut the cord in half and I spliced the, the plug back on, and now we have half the lights we did last year, but I'm too cheap to buy lights, so, you know, so far, so good. Then it was time for the ornaments, and we went down to the basement to grab our ornaments, and you gotta understand, I mean, every ornament has special meaning to our family, but we couldn't find the ornaments. We thought, maybe they're upstairs in the upstairs closet, and we checked there, and they weren't there. Then we looked in the garage, and they weren't there, and... The bottom line is we lost our ornaments. And we have no idea where our ornaments are. And these are special ornaments. These are ornaments that say things like baby's first Christmas. <laughs> ornaments like our first year of, of marriage. Danielle has an ornament, her little booties from when she was born, and, and they're gone, okay? And, and, and so things have been a little sensitive. About two days later, we decided to get out the rest of our Christmas decor, and one of Danielle's favorite things that she puts out every year, it's this little golden deer, and she puts it on our, 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 our dining room table, which is kind of the heart of, of our main floor. And so she puts out this deer, 
goes upstairs and I'm on the couch. When my daughter Callie comes to the table and says, Dad, can I play with the golden deer? And I said, sure, just don't, you know, let your mom find out. <laughs> so she starts playing with the golden deer and it doesn't take long until I hear a snap. And I look over and that deer had pranced just a little too hard. Its legs snapped right off. And I knew Danielle was coming down the stairs any minute. So there was only one thing to do, hide the body. <laughs> and so I grabbed this deer along with the leg and I threw it under the couch. I grabbed a rag to clean up the glitter that this thing had bled. I had to hide the evidence of this deer just as Danielle comes downstairs. I've got my nose in a book. The first thing Danielle says, where is the deer? And uh, my daughter, who I don't think understood the gravity of the situation and, and maybe didn't want, you know, a guilty conscience right away said, dad, put it under the couch. <laughs> said, dad, put it under the couch. Um, so Danielle found the deer and then she looked at me and this is something she says to me more and more these days. She said, what is wrong with you? Can any of you husbands relate to that? Any of you guys get it? What is wrong? She says that like two, three times a day now. Just what is wrong with you? I don't even hear it anymore. It's what is wrong with you? And actually, it, there's a lot wrong with me. But here's what this Christmas is reminding us of. Life isn't perfect. And there's no such thing, you know, as a perfect Christmas. And I, I just wonder today if in your life something isn't broken. And I'm not talking about a Christmas, you know, figurine here. But something in your life or in your relationships or in your finances is broken. See, I think Christmas is a reminder that sometimes life just isn't perfect. Things aren't always perfect. But here is what I also believe. No matter how imperfect our lives might seem, God still has a plan, and he still has a good purpose for each one of us here on planet Earth. In fact, when we read about the first Christmas, uh, we, we read that it wasn't, it wasn't perfect. Matthew, uh, the, the gospel writer, gives us an account of that first Christmas. He says this, he says, this is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, which means before they came together, um, it says that she was, she was pregnant, okay? So in other words, yeah, she's pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man. Note that. He was a righteous man, and he didn't want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Here's what this means. Joseph is a righteous man. He's done everything by the book. You know, he, he, he works as a carpenter with complete integrity. And, and what this means is that Mary and Joseph committed themselves to 100% sexual purity before their marriage. And yet here Joseph finds... Mary pregnant with child, and it's not his. 
You know, Mary mumbles something about this being God's doing, God's will. But in that moment, Joseph is sick to his stomach. His spirit is crushed. And his dreams for a perfect life are broken. And it doesn't get any better from there because then they get warned that, that, that King Herod wants to kill their son Jesus. In fact, we read this in, in chapter two. It says King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this news about Jesus being born. As was everyone in Jerusalem. No baby showers. No grand celebration for this Jesus. Herod and all of Jerusalem with him were disturbed and threatened by this Jesus being born into the world. And so Joseph and Mary have to take their baby Jesus and they have to flee to Egypt to escape the wrath of, of King Herod. And then even when, they, when King Herod dies and they want to return home, they can't go back to Jerusalem because now Herod's son sits on the throne and, and, and he's just as bad. And so they got to withdraw to this region called Galilee and they end up in a place called Nazareth. And there was even a saying, and, and the saying was this, Nazareth, can anything good come out of Nazareth? It's like saying Green Bay, Wisconsin, can anything... I told myself not to say that, but I'm kind of glad I did. Here's what I need us to understand. Guys, this would have been a very difficult situation for Joseph and Mary. As soon as Jesus was born, they had to flee 200 miles to escape Herod. And I was thinking about it this week. Jesus' parents, who are they? These are teenage kids who were alone, afraid, and homeless. They had no family. They had no jobs. They were refugees who were forced into hiding and would have had to beg for food to stay alive. In other words, their lives were far from perfect. But what Mary and Joseph couldn't see and, and what they couldn't understand at the time was that God had a plan and that he had chosen them to raise the savior of the world. Imagine that. I mean, even today, Almost three billion people are worshiping this Jesus as their savior, as their Lord, as their God. And who was this Jesus? He was the son of God, but he was also the son of Joseph and Mary. What I wanna do in the next few minutes is show you that even when life isn't perfect, there is still a good hope for each and every one of us. There is hope in this world, here on planet Earth. There is hope for all of us, even in an imperfect world and when life isn't perfect. There's three promises God gives us that are true for each one of you this morning. And here's the first one. He has a plan. God has a plan for each one of us. Uh, we read this uh, about Joseph. That when he gets this news, it says an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid, underline that, to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit and she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will be his, 
He will save his people from their sins. And so you can imagine, Joseph, he is afraid. But God tells Joseph through this angel, you don't have to be afraid. Trust me. And Joseph apparently does just that because we read in in verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and he took Mary as his wife. And I just want to take a time out here. What do you do when your life is turned upside down? What do you do when life doesn't go the way you planned? Do you trust God? See, I got, I got to tell you, I'm not very good at this. In fact, it doesn't take much to completely unravel uh, my life. Even small things can cause me to, to doubt. Things like losing my wallet or my keys can set me off. And Daniela has this nasty habit of moving my stuff, and I get upset about it. Just two weeks ago, I couldn't find my phone charger, and I knew she had moved it somewhere, and she, she couldn't find it, and she said, I didn't touch your charger, but I knew she did, because this is a habit in our home. And I, I'm listen, for a day and a half, I had like this critical spirit, I have this bitter spirit within me because I couldn't charge my cell phone. And then I go to the coffee shop that I do some work from, and I just happened to check their lost and found, and it was a complete miracle. Because even though my wife doesn't ever go to this coffee shop, there it was right where she put it. No, she didn't put it there. I put it there. I didn't tell her this, but I put it there. I can be such a knucklehead sometimes. And my point is that when life doesn't go perfectly according to my plans, my immediate reaction is to lose hope, think the worst, and doubt God's plan for my life. And that's just over a phone charger. What about when it's a lost marriage? And you think all hope is gone. And there is no future, you think. Or a lost son or daughter. Or a lost career or dream or friendship. Can I tell you all something that I believe this Christmas 2019? Here's what I know. There are going to be times in your life when life isn't perfect and the future is unclear. And there are gonna be times when you can't see the answer and you can't see God's plan at work. But I wanna challenge all of us to trust God and to trust that he still has a good plan for you because he does. I love what Jeremiah 29 says. It says, for I know, listen to this, this is a promise for us all. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. Do you hear that? God has a good plan for you here on planet Earth. Will you trust and will you believe? It's the first promise we all have. Here's the second. The second promise is that God will heal you. Life in an imperfect world, there will be brokenness and all of us are going to need healing. And so I love this, prof this prophecy we have about Jesus. This came 700 years before Jesus was born, by the way. 
This is what the prophet Isaiah said. He said, surely he, Jesus, took up our pain and bore our suffering. He was pierced for our sins. By the way, don't miss that. Pierced for our sins. This is about 600 years before the Roman cross, form of crucifixion had even been invented. He was pierced for our sins. Talking about being nailed to the cross. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. I mean, what this is saying is that Jesus, when, when he died on that cross and he was pierced and he was nailed, by his being pierced, we received healing. By his being bruised and beaten, we get healing. By his being crucified, ultimately having the punishment of sin laid on him, you and I get forgiveness. We get set free and we get healed. And think about that. By the way, who could carry your sins? Who could carry the sins of the world? Only God could do that. And that's what, who Jesus was. He was fully man so that he could be our representative in our place, but he was fully God because only God could carry our sin. And that's exactly what Jesus did for us. And this is what this means. It means your most defining moment doesn't have to be your worst mistake. And your worst sin or sins doesn't have to be what defines you. It means your most defining moment doesn't have to be what broke you. It doesn't have to be that friend who betrayed you or the parent who maybe abandoned you. Your most defining moment, I'm telling you, will be when you let the God who loves you put the pieces back together again in your life. Friends, this is why Jesus came. To die on that cross so that you and I could be healed. For those of you who know me, you've probably heard my story. When I was in my youth, I, I was caught up in drugs and, and drug abuse. And I, it was bad. I'd wake up in the morning and I would do drugs. I would go to sleep at night. Having done drugs all day, I would steal, I would rob, do whatever I needed to do to get drugs. And I came to realize the reason I was drawn to drugs and, and was so hooked was because I was in so much pain. And I was trying to numb that pain. But the problem was the drugs only made things worse. And I found myself doing things, terrible things to people and terrible things even to myself, which meant now I only needed more drugs. But what I came to finally realize was that drugs could never fix the problem. They could never solve the problem. Only Jesus could heal my broken heart. And I know for many of you, drugs isn't your issue and it'll never be your issue, but for some of you, it might be drinking too much or it might be turning to a bad relationship or, or looking at something on the computer or it might just be keeping your life very busy. But I'm telling you, friends, none of that can solve the problem of a broken heart. Only Jesus can. But here's what I need you to hear. Jesus healed my life. 
And he can heal your life too. What I also learned though is it doesn't happen all at once. It's a process and it takes time and it took a long time to experience healing. But what I'm telling you is some of you could start experiencing God's healing in your life today. That is a promise that God gives all of us. Which brings us to the third and the last promise we have for hope in this imperfect world and that is that you will never be alone. God came into this world so that you would never be alone. In fact, one of the names given to Jesus is the name Emmanuel, and we read this in Matthew 2. It says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Jesus was born into this world so that we could have the forgiveness of sin, so that we could have a relationship with this God. And here's what concerns me. Some of you are trying to do life all on your own. And maybe you wonder why you're so afraid. And maybe you think it's because of the health situation or the bad relationship or the finances or the job situation. And maybe that's some of it. But I'm telling you, it's because Primarily, you're trying to do life all on your own without God's help. And the good news is you don't have to do that. It doesn't have to be you against the world. Jesus came so that you could have the help of God daily in your life, giving you strength and comfort and a peace that surpasses all understanding. Each and every day, friends. When my kids were smaller, I don't know, four or so, Danielle and I took them to this little play area in the, in the middle of this mall. And this couple sat down next to Danielle while our kids were playing. They started a conversation with her, and so she turned to me and said, don't take your eyes off the kids while I have this conversation. But I kind of got caught up in the conversation too. And so about five minutes later, we look up, and we can't find our son, Logan. At first, we were thinking he's probably just hiding under a slide or he's hiding in one of the tunnels. But a minute later, we realize, you know, he's not coming out of any of these slides or tunnels. And so we get up and we start frantically walking around looking for Logan. And then, friends, I, I got to tell you, I haven't experienced fear like that before in my life. Danielle started asking people, have you seen a little boy? I started calling out, Logan, Logan, where are you? And Danielle was just about to call the police when about 50 yards away, I spotted Logan across this mall, alone, afraid, looking for his mom and dad. Danielle and I, we grabbed Michaela and we ran over to Logan, wrapped our arms around him, and as a family, we just hugged right there on the mall floor. And, and about a minute later, my kids got squirmy and wanted to go play again. And that's when Danielle looked at me and she said, what is wrong with you? <laughs> there it was again. A lot is wrong with me. But here's my point. Friends, there is nothing I wouldn't do for my children. 
There isn't nothing I wouldn't do for my kids. There's no sacrifice that I wouldn't make for my kids. There's no length I wouldn't go to for my children. And here's what some of you need to hear today. That's exactly how God feels about you. He loves you with that kind of love. Some of you have been told things that are complete lies about who this God is. This is what God says, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he so loved each and every one of you that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Let me translate that for you. Jesus came into the world because God desires a relationship with you. He loves you with that kind of love. Maybe some of you are saying, Brent, could God really love me though in light of some of the things that I've done? Would he really desire a relationship with me because of what I've done? I want you to hear this story from Tom. Tom is a part of our church family and I want you to hear how God has redeemed and restored Tom's life. Take a look at the screen. So my name is Tom Whitaker, and my story starts um, a long time ago back in the UK. Uh, I really don't remember a time not been in church. Um, my parents brought me to church at two, three weeks old, um, and I always grew up in the church, I always grew up through, like, through Sunday school in the UK, always really, like, really, really enjoyed um, like going to church and going to like the Bible study and things like that. But it wasn't long after that that um, the worldly things kind of like start to take hold. The youth group that we, that I was in kind of just disappeared. People started to move ac across the country to like college and universities and, and things like that. So it kind of just fizzled, fizzled out. So m my church life just seemed to just naturally just fall apart and not because of anything bad, but just it just seemed, that's just the way it seemed to go. I got into my first relationship um, when I was, I just turned 17, and my first relationship was uh, with a Christian girl. Um, so one would think, or you would have thought, looking at a, a lad that's always grown up in church, that that would be a good foundation to have a relationship. Um, but that turned into a sexual relationship straight away. Um, and then every previous relationship after that was, um, was a sexual relationship, and that very quickly became it became a drug and it became an addiction and um, working and drinking um, as well was, I, I would go out and I would drink and party three, three, four, five nights a week and it got to the point where the whole purpose and point of going out was to, uh, was to hook up and, um, you know, hook up with girls and all that sort of stuff. I then met somebody else and we, we dated for, for a while and it turned and within that, within that process, we were dating for, um, for three months. And I remember one day she, um, she just came to me and said that she was um, three months pregnant. Well, the way she told me was, hey, don't worry about it. I already know what I'm going to do. So she decided that she was going to have a termination. Um, so we moved past that. We eventually got engaged. Um, and then my world really started to crash when we split up about a year later. Um, and that's when like the, the drinking got really bad. and the partying and, and all that sort of stuff got really, really bad. So God to me was always, um, always far away. He was always, he was always distant. It was always a set of rules to follow, 
to keep keep me in a, in a box for doing right from wrong as opposed to seeing God's law and, and God's commandments and his scripture as love and mercy and grace because he puts us in place because he wants the best for us. Um, so yeah, it was it was definitely, a, uh, I didn't see the relevance of, of God. And I think the things of this world, say like friendships and dating and hanging out with friends and, and drinking and things like that would just became more um, more important. So, you know, that's that's kind of where my life led me for those, you know, those seven, eight, eight years. So I had I had family, I had family praying for me. My mum would meet once once twice a week with a group of ladies, and they would spend hours in prayer for me. Um, I genuinely believe it's because of that that I. I, I came to know the Lord. So within that process, God put, um, God put a verse on my heart, which is um, Jeremiah 29, 11, 12, and 13. You know, for any of the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper and not to harm you, and plans to give you a hope and a future. And then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and I will bring you back from, um, from the place that you've been captive. Um, and I really found that I put myself in a place of captivity with like the alcohol and, and the relationships and the one night stands and, and things like that. I put myself in, in this physical like captivity and God was slowly bringing me, bringing me back out of it. It's been this incredible journey of, of God just showing me over and over and over again that you can, there's, no, there's no place that you can go that I will not bring you back from. <laughs> I want to thank Tom for sharing his story, but friends, I hope for some of us, it would be a reminder that there is no place you can go where God doesn't call out your name. And I believe tonight God is calling out and he's speaking some of your names and he's drawing you back to himself. And what I need you to hear is, I'm not talking about religion here. I'm not talking about practicing rituals. I'm talking about a relationship with the God who made you, who loves you, and who came to earth to die on a cross for your sins. Why? Why did he do this? Why did he die on the cross for our sins? So that you could live out a good plan here on earth. So that you could experience healing. And maybe for some of you, that journey would start today. And so that you never have to be alone in this life or in the next. Friends, this is the hope that each and every one of us has because Jesus was born into the world. And how I wanna close the message today is I just wanna give some of you an opportunity just to take hold of that. The Bible says it's a free gift. You don't have to do anything to earn it. It's been done for you. And maybe some of you, you just need to pray and you just need to say, God, yes, I want that. I want what I've heard today. That's called faith. You're just believing God will do this for you. 
He will forgive you of your sin. He will help you live out a good plan here on earth. He will heal you where you need healing. And he will be with you every single day, giving you the strength and the peace that you and I so desperately need here in this broken world. And so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna ask us, just if we would, would we just bow our heads? Just bow our heads. And just connect your heart with God right now. (laughs) You don't have to say anything out loud. This is just between you and God. You just say this in your heart to God. He hears your heart. You just say, God, I want this. I want the forgiveness of sin and I desire a relationship with you. Help me to live out the plan you have for my life. Start this process of healing in my heart and in my soul and come into my life so that I know you are real and give me the strength and the courage and the peace I need each and every day. Thank you, God, that you came into the world to save me from my sin. I want to know you and do life with you from now on. We pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen. Friends, here's what I'm gonna ask as we close today. I'm gonna ask us all to do something. Would every single one of us just be willing right now, just take out your cell phone. This is what I wanna ask us to do. Take out your cell phone. I know we, we don't often do that in church. Just take it out, it's okay. We're not gonna judge you if you use an Android. I mean, it might not work, but what, what? no, here's what we're gonna ask you to do. If, if that's a decision that you made today, if you want this God in your life, we want to send you a free resource. We're not gonna spam you, anything like that. We're just gonna send you the resource. That's it. But here's what I wanna ask you to do. Would you please text yes Jesus to 555 Just text yes Jesus to 555-888. We'll send you out that free resource and it'll give you next steps how you can follow this Jesus and experience his plan in your life. With that said, I'm gonna ask us to stand and we're gonna gonna sing, we're gonna worship and celebrate this hope we have through Jesus Christ.